Hey there, it's Matt Ryan. Are you enjoying this A7FL podcast? Well, I'm glad you are, because that means you can give us money. That's right, you can buy our merch right now at tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. That's tinyurl.com slash A7FL merch. Up there right now, we have some Thick Boy Season merchandise. We've got some Hus Hus shirts. And also, we've got some Corey Hammond-related merchandise coming soon. A Corey Hammond, Corey Hammond's t-shirt, hoodie, and a whole lot more. You can get all of them right now, sent to you nice, comfy, and cozy at tinyurl.com slash a7flmerch. And also, you can find it in the show notes. Now back to that podcast you like. Welcome to the three-on-one podcast. It is another week, and let's just say this week's episode is the Sangria Bobby Show. Why is that? Well, we'll give you about 14 reasons why, but I'm Matt Ryan, joined as always by my quarterback. You already (laughs) know who it is. It's Corey Hammond. And joining us in a holiday mood, in a festive spirit, you know him. He's blocking the line, multi-time A7FL champion. One of the newest voices of A7FL Nevada. What? Ooh. He's big Rob Fabian, a.k.a. Bachata Bob. Tonight, Sangria Bobby joining us here on the (laughs) podcast. Gentlemen, over the weekend, we took part in an experiment. That experiment is, again, happening this weekend on the A7FL YouTube channel. Myself, Corey Hammond, Big Rob, joined Casey Cox and Derek Duncan in calling A7FL Nevada Games. And guys, it was the first time we saw any of these players on an A7FL broadcast because... No Vegas Force. We saw the Pit Bosses. We saw the Gold, players from the Gold, players from the Hunters, players from Over the Top, players from the Insomniacs. And uh, it was an interesting day. And we got to talk about Trey Robinson for a minute because he won Offensive MVP of the Jamboree. And he did. He did. You voted for him. No, I did. I didn't vote for Trey Robinson. I voted. You you didn't have that many sangria. Who'd you vote for for offensive I voted, player? I voted of the for day? the young man that was running those returns back. Ah, uh, well, it ended up yes. being being uh, Trey Robinson. Trey Robinson won. Got well, he had a good day on the offensive side of the well, ball Sabian and defensive side. Also, had of the ball. most of his returns on the three on one. So technically, yeah. when we go offensive player, you know. You know, but but shout out to Savion Cunningham. If you've not seen Savion Cunningham's return yet on our Instagram page, get up on it because it was one of the wildest returns I have seen in now entering my fourth season in the A7FL, heading over 106 yards from the corner of the end zone to the other end zone in what could be the longest return in American football history. There was always one asshole in the comments section. But really, it's actually not because Canadian football and blah, blah, blah. Shut up, stupid. Like, I get it. Yes, shout out to our Canadian brethren and sister and they uh, who are fans of the CFL. 
But come, come on, guys. You know what we're saying. You, you well, know what the, what's, it, what's amazing about the comments sections on social media platforms for some reason is they are both the dumbest places in the world and somehow the most brilliant because there will always be the person that will correct you on the smallest mistake. At the same time, someone is barely able to put the right sentences together to form words. And it's, it's just the worst amalgamation of human disgust that I've ever seen. <laughs> and check us out on Instagram, Snapchat, Facebook, and even TikTok, <laughs> A7FL, run by a great man. Yes, we don't know who they are. A media artist <laughs> and also a wordsmith of the highest order. Now, just, just a little behind the scenes on that play, guys, I got a little uh, – you know, inside information from some of the relationships we're starting to build out in the Vegas area. And that return was specifically against the pit bosses. And although what we did see is that Savion Cunningham is a potential huge threat in that division, especially on the three on one, because he took both of those back in that cute little series of, of, of two uh, three on one opportunities instead of drives. But what I was told is that there was miscommunication from the pit bosses who were returning and the referees, and that that was maybe one of the reasons why the longest kickoff uh, three-on-one return ever was returned. And what I will say is, is that that may be legitimate. And if the pit bosses can figure out how to stop people on the three-on-one guys, and we'll go into more of the specifics, I think they look like a really good team out there. But – if someone scores a touchdown on you and you have the ability to tackle him and the first thing that you say is, well, but I mean, even if they are technically correct, because they were they were told that there was a rule where if the ball bounces twice that it's dead. And if that's what they were told, that's what Never they were told. But at the end of the day, like, what are we going to do if that's what happened? On that, that would play? have ruined so many plays in this league. Yeah, on the, on the I've never heard that shit before. But regardless of the miscommunication, you know, when somebody's just running down the field and there's no whistle, most of the time, it's usually just better to just bring them down and then we'll figure it out afterwards. Because we all know that referees always get things wrong. And once the referee gets it wrong, it's not something that, right, it's not something that they're going to be able to easily disagree with themselves on because someone's yelling about it. So I I just want to say that although I have heard the reasons why that return, that that longest potential return in American football history, Canadians, went for as long as it did is because the the pit bosses said that they were going to tackle him if they didn't think it was down. But you know what's funny is there was another opportunity on the three-on-one, and Savion Cunningham took that one back, too. Eggs, so- eggs fucking exactly. Uh, Corey, I'm so happy you said it, because that's what I was saying. I said, you know what? How about we give you the first return, right, guys? You Okay, you didn't hear, you know, miscommunication. He scored again. He scored the fuck again on a brand-new return. No, fuck that. The kid's nice. Savion's fucking nice. He, he torched them boys. And now, specifically I, I, for the jamboree, right? It yeah. was it was a really bad situation because the pit bosses, if they tackled one of those situ- one of those three on ones and didn't allow the score and then played you know tough on defense, which they showed that they were capable of doing all day, 
if the pit bosses stop Savion Cunningham on one or the other, regardless of the reasons, and, you know, I'll give them credit for the one, but if they stopped them on the other, they would have been the winners of the Jamboree. Yep, and I have to say to everybody who plays in this league and fancies them a returner, watch that return because heading into 2023, Savion Cunningham's name is going to be on the lips of a lot of people for Rookie of the Year if he holds up that kind of pace. And to be completely honest, guys, I think that he might be the most dangerous asset in Vegas right now. But we'll let the guys on the other side of the ball break that down more, and you can listen to that podcast every single week. Casey Cox and Derek Duncan, alongside Chris Vela, the uh, Chris Vera, the commissioner of A7FL Nevada, great friends with Corey Hammond. They brunch together whenever they can. They actually uh, go to they go to uh, church. They're in the choir together. Um, Corey's got an angelic. He's a, he's a soprano, and I'm an alto. <laughs> And, I'm a and to be honest, I don't know which one's higher, but I'm pretty sure that's what we are. And I'm the deep one, whatever that is. Yeah, you baritone, yeah. Bass. We actually were going to start a barbershop baritone? quartet, but from two of us aren't getting a haircut, so it just felt ridiculous. Also, nope. just Rob we're with a spindly go. mustache would have just been an interesting look altogether. But gentlemen! <laughs> We will oh, be and one more thing before we move on from that jamboree, guys. Did you see the sneaky little situation that I saw? What what when the you pit see? bosses scored a, a, a passing touchdown? What was there that? was a guy without a pit boss official jersey, high stepping with his uh hairline and his long hair into the end zone. No, for, no way. the field in the jamboree, no my guys. No Did you see? No way. It was Curtis Pac Man Jones is on the pit bosses for this jamboree. Wow. Okay, Pac. Okay. Yeah, and he scored a touchdown. And 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 you, you, we heard him when he was on our show. He was giving uh, props to Trey Robinson. Let's hope for the force that they don't develop a really close relationship because that's Corey, the problem sometimes Corey, when, you, when you don't put your team in. You know how that goes. There's weird relationships get built every day. And Pac-Man could easily be on the pick bosses as quick as he's on the force. So they got to be careful with that shit. Rob, the, did the sangria have the fruit in it, or you were just yes. pounding like Carla Rossi? Nah, nah, the sangria had the fruit in it, and I ate the oh, fruit. I ate, I ate the fruit. I you ate, ate the, the Of fruit. course you ate the fruit. Definitely ate the fruit. You can't even have a Huss Huss shirt anymore after admitting to that. Nope. We're, giving you, we're sending you a Thick Boy Season hoodie. Let's go. Uh, and just behind the scenes for all of you guys, we're trying out a new little situation, and I don't know if Matt's going to even let me say this. Should I say this, Matt? Go for it. If you hear us cracking up a little bit more than usual, this is the first time we're actually looking at each other in the face doing this podcast. <laughs> and I will already tell you I've had to hit the mute button. <laughs> the over is is way over on that mute button press for Corey Hammond because Rob is looking at me and he's having a great time. <laughs> we are trying out this new technology and – and it I'm, has I'm been... transforming from a Twitter bot into an actual human being in this in this you know 22nd century or wherever we're at. <laughs> but guys, we will be live this Sunday on the A7FL YouTube channel, and I'm excited. Uh, it's great calling games again, and it's a bit of a taste of what you might see in 2023. 
because there's a lot of opportunity on the horizon. We're looking at a bunch of new technology. We're having a bunch of great conversations. And I've had some talks about what we might do. And we may not be uh, in where we were last season, but it's going to be really exciting. And I'm so excited to call games again. And to be honest, it's been a lot of fun. But speaking of of being, calling games and having fun, I thought this week we could try a little bit different on the podcast. We could do a director's cut of one of the things that has brought us a lot of notoriety this season. It's probably the best game of 2022, and it could be one of the all-time greatest games in A7FL history. For sure. Definitely makes that list. It definitely makes that list, being that I'm... I'm pretty sure teams that I've been on are on that list of best games of A7FL. This game, 100%, is on that list. But it's the battle between the Baltimore Rare Breed and the Tampa Nightcrawlers. This took place earlier this year. It was uh, just about five months ago. And... Guys, this was an awesome, awesome game, and we've got it loaded up. It'll be in the show notes if you haven't watched it yet. We're not going to watch the whole game. The great thing about the A7FL is that every single week our great games, especially games like this, are cut down into 46-minute pieces, which you can actually watch streaming on Atmosphere, on a bunch of other platforms, including Stadium, but on our YouTube channel which is youtube.com slash the A7FL. We'll have it in the show notes. So let's just get this sorry. Let's get this started even. And we're going to start with the three-on-one throw-off. It is Baltimore throwing off to Tampa. And we were talking about Tampa speed really early on. Well, I think, guys, we, we at this po- moment in the game, we still had zero idea. And when my zero. man took it up the sideline and basically just tackled himself. Pretty much. I think Rare Breed was basically on notice at that at, on that moment because if you if you're watching the game now uh, at home, you would have saw that that's basically a touchdown. But the but the the differences in how refs may call that in certain situations and might give them the benefit of doubt in Florida, that was the difference there. I, I wasn't a believer after that play, even after this one where he threw a dart to the middle of the field. I didn't see it yet. I, I'll tell you exactly which play led to me believing that the Nightcrawlers are the real deal, but it definitely wasn't any of the passing plays that Mark Bagway were making. I think no, it was this one. one. Yeah, it was this one. Oh, the, oh, oh, two two plays into the game, yeah. you know, he his offensive his offensive line plays Matador, lets everybody through. He makes them all miss. He makes off two back, people touch earth down the field. Right. And it's a like, wide open guy, and all of a wow. sudden it's first and goal. Yeah. It's wow. I, I'm thinking, hey, yeah, it took two offensive you could have ran it. Yeah, you could have ran that, but he didn't run it. He dropped back, hussed, and made two people just drop to their knees and let that shit fly. For damn near six. And I was like, wait a second. was excited. I was very excited. (laughs) And looking, just looking back on this replay, it's Madden 04 shit. And we go right immediately into the snap and into the touchdown. And that was a fast touchdown. Fellas, that wasn't expected on my behalf because I did not expect the Nightcrawlers to come in here and do a motherfucking thing. They, that was a very fast touchdown. 
And we kind of had a feeling that the Nightcrawlers would put up a fight. We saw what they did earlier in the season, Corey, against Kentucky, against Covington from the Cincinnati division. And now an opportunity to see Baltimore, the rare breed, and that's a deep return, but Marcellus Pack showing why he's one of the fastest dudes in this league, just changing lanes like it was nothing and getting a great possession on that. And that was Could another you guys impressive even stop. Ever being even close to that fast? No, no. I'd be in the league. <laughs> it looks like it was fat. That that looked like it was fast forward. Even the guys on three on one were running real fast. Rob would want nothing to do with us. And that fuck that fucking defense, like yeah. the Nightcrawlers' defense, just stepped in immediately. And here's the replay. It's Omari Thomas Don't on the run. And that's a great play blocks. call by Buck, by the way, because it sets up everything later. It does, but it's it's definitely great penetration, great aggression. Buck is Buck is trying to read it. He's taking them a little lightly, though. And Corey, tell. when you're running this first series, and it's a great run here, we see it set Ooh. up. Is that first play just a hypothesis? Like, are you just doing the scientific method for the first series, trying to figure out what the defense is looking to do or just um, trying to understand the schemes? Well, Buck is a play caller for most of his career. He's playing against Baltimore teams most of the time. He has a book out on all of the Baltimore teams and their tendencies, so he might have a play that he draws up for the first play of the game because he knows and ex- and has an expectation of what he's seeing. When he was, when he's playing this Nightcrawlers team, I don't think he had any idea. None, yeah, none at all. I and think there's, Buck there's was, Rob's boy, Aunt Mo. This that was stop, coverage. stop. <laughs> but, but again, if you're out here screaming MVP, you got to make that catch. And that's just a good play by Pac-Man. I don't think it was a great play call, but it was a good play. Great play call. Yeah. And the design's there because he he's setting them up with formation, and that's one of the things that Buck does the best is when you have to declare where you're putting your guys, then you know where to attack. And I think it wasn't until Buck got hit later in the game, and we'll definitely see that. Mm. Oh, my goodness. And that was that's also Deontay Henderson making that hit, and that was just that was just the first one, and we were like, the first Ooh. One. I said, wait a second, who's later. that guy? Who who is that? Later, we're like, oh no! Look at this! Look at this hit! He puts Aunt Mo's legs in the air like like he's making love. Look at him! Ugh, crunch! <laughs> Please don't say that so on we, national so TV. We see where your mind year. goes on sangria. <laughs> <laughs> and just off the snap, finding that lane, Buck is in that Quattro Huffin level of magician. And we jump ahead to the next play and then just runs right inside, get a big body in there. What they showed on this drive is, is that the offensive line for rare breed could push the mm. Nightcrawlers. I mean, the Nightcrawlers defensive line is a tad bit undersized. That yeah, is definitely they're, they're, one of their they weaknesses. Were built, that's, a, that's like a what I say is the flag. Defense. Right. They have they're the fast guys that are going to rush the passer because I bet you all the other teams are built like the Nightcrawlers and have a guy that has two offensive linemen and just runs around, you know, all over the place. Right. And he's not getting the corner there. And that's freight train. Uh, a bearded boy. A if we go on the boy. fantasy draft uh, from. What was that episode four? Wow, we're yeah, that was long early ago. in the run. I was like two twenty still. <laughs> I 
mean, that's a great tackle. You expect that from a guy like Freight Train, who who is an anchor on this defense. He's part of the life and, and, He's and part of the reason why they're good. Maximum effort to tackle right. a small, fast guy on the three on one. Right. And Bags this is again, the first real test of the else. game for All Bagwell. The talent. In my Can't opinion, catch the ball. Second and ten, does it himself? Doesn't need any help. First down, keeps going. Does it feel like you're watching a human play Sonic? Like they're playing a Sonic board when you see Mark Bagway run on that play? He looked like he was having fun, man. Well, he's also under control, too. I don't even think he's running full speed some of those times. That was a dangerous throw from Bagway. I think he trusted his receivers a lot in certain situations. I don't know if he was trusting his receivers or trusting his accuracy because on that throw to Chalk 21, that short little... uh, I would say kind of a pseudo screen. And he goes back to that receiver again on the very next play. And there's that lateral. There's yeah. that's going to be the Which, biggest theme of this game is what, what could, that was there. Go ahead, Rob. I, I honestly think that lateral cost them the game. I know it's early. I know we're looking at the score right now. It's six, 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 two minutes and 14 left in the first quarter. Freight train doing the Go fishing. Go ahead, freight train. Yeah, doing the fishing real taunt. But I'm telling you right now, I think that's the play right there that cost them the entire game. And but that was a good scheme because for whatever reason, Rare Breed decided that they were going to go zone there because I think they were trying to figure out and deal with it. And I don't know if that was a pitch or if that was a punch out because that to me looked like it came out way too fast for it to be intentional. But when when you're mm. when you're struggling on defense to stop everything that they're doing, just punch the ball out and maybe something good will happen. And that's what that's what uh, that's what um, Rare Breed was able to do there. Right. This game this game showed a lot of the intangible that that Rare Breed brings that separate them in a game like this. What is going to be interesting to see when we talked about this game all the time is is when the Nightcrawlers realize that if they just put it together, they're better. You know, it's going to be hard for for teams to match them when they're not giving the, giving you the game themselves. And this is this is what I'm saying. You pay, you pay attention because we're we're watching a game, so the only test we can give these guys is the eye test. Based off of what I'm seeing, these guys are stopping outside runs, very prepared for it, great pursuit angles. You know, great penetration, great shedding of blocks. They're making plays. To me, just the Nightcrawlers by themselves are leagues above what we were seeing in, in Vegas, even over the Jamboree. I didn't see anything like this over the Jamboree. But and to be fair, because what we talk about a lot is when when we're, you know, comparing the two divisions, and that's just pack money, just doing pack money things, but still gets zero, zero yards. But when we're comparing the two divisions, what we talk about a lot of times is the the years that they're in. So year one, Florida, year one, Vegas, to be fair, Rob, I would say that Vegas showed up a little bit better than Florida did in their first year. But this is Florida in their second year where they had the extra attention. They had the extra infusion of talent from different areas. And then they all at, to to a man, all of them got better. I talked to the guys in, uh, down there in Florida. That's a great play-action play. And and on that play, the bigger player, Beefy, making that catch, does the guy covering him just get lost up in his feet? Does he get caught in the turf? Well, turtle? all the plays in that drive before that, Matt, were what? Big personnel, mm-hmm. heavy run game. Guess what? He's lost 
because as soon as you go play action, he's coming across field. And to be honest, the, the Nightcrawler might have been covering him. He just fell. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was trying to figure out. And we were talking about the Nightcrawler run defense. When you saw the offenses of Vegas and there's a touchdown for Baltimore to give them the lead at 11.57 in the second, when we're looking at Nevada and we saw a lot of outside running and you saw Seth Chambers in Columbus – does that ability to neutralize in the same way that New Jersey and Maryland have been able to when we see the attempt here for the two-point conversion, not able to get it done, but the Nightcrawlers are, this game is far from over. Do you see that as that being the key to why they're the number three or even number two division in the league right now? So... Where I was going with my other point was that in year two, what happened with the Florida division is they got a lot more of the talent that really makes the difference. So when we compare Vegas, if they're able to start getting some of these Mark Bagway type guys, these Deontay Henderson type guys, then that might be the equalizer. But right now, what you're seeing from the the Nightcrawlers is, is that at every level, and there's a great decision by the quarterback there, um, Ant Mo is a great receiver, so always throw it up to him. But what we're seeing from the Nightcrawlers in this game and what we found out even at the end when they lost is that, you know, just the eye test shows you that their product, for whatever reason, looked better most of the time than what the rare breed was putting out there. Now, the offensive line for the Nightcrawlers is abysmal, but Mark Bagway was so good that it didn't matter, right? The offensive line for the rare breed is way better. Look at these four guys are chasing Mark Bagway as he's throwing it to Antmo. He was on his back. He was throwing while running backwards and somehow still overthrew his receiver. That is scary. Even though everything about that play, football-wise, is wrong, the fact that his arm's able to do that in that kind of motion is impressive. And I would look at that. That's what Zach Wilson can do for the Jets, man. <laughs> he might not, you know, he might not gain more than two yards and a half against Bill Belichick, but he can throw the ball to the other team deep. If you're watching this right now, Rob, and you're the BIC in the U, are you just seeing that the way to beat this Nightcrawler's defense is to stretch the field? Because running the ball against them is not a smart move. But when you get it to the outside, once you get it out of the front four, essentially, and you're leaving it to the corners, you might be able to beat them off the break. And you see here, OG Buck being able to evade the defenders, set it up, and basically screen himself to the left. Well, what was interesting is is the rare breed we saw in the playoffs was not the rare breed that we, we could grown used to in the regular season and we've had a lot of discussions on why that is and what that is this defense does have the personnel to play run defense but I also think with BIC's offensive line if they decided to go run and that was a very near miss very good pass from OG Buck whether it's a a completion or not what that does is it threatens the defense to maybe set some stuff up but you even look at this defense, they're pretty much everywhere they need to be. Here it comes. Oh, that just every time, every time we see that play, it is devastating. Well, I'm just thankful that I never decide to decide to run like that um, with a guy like that on the field. And that was his second big hit. 
And it's no pads, no helmets. Our football is safer, but just oh, the impact of that, and just the and you saw he kept his head out of it, which is the safe part. But what's even more brutal is that you know being safe, he got in a position to put his shoulder, maybe one of the 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 most impactful surfaces that you can hit somebody with right into the the chest rib cage of the quarterback. So yes, the A7FL is very safe for concussions and and longevity type injuries. But I'm sure OG Buck felt that even the next week when they played the U. That is a great game available on our YouTube channel. And the decision making of Mark Bagway there, a really really great athletic play into a really smart offensive play a great quarterback well, it was almost play. like a it was almost like a quarterback drill yeah he dropped back he stepped up he stepped left he rolled out left and found the check down receiver here he does it again no blocking all day for him but it didn't matter are some players just talented enough to make even the worst situations better because his sheer athleticism and talent got him out of that because it looked like his two blockers gave up Rob on that play. It looks like they completely gave up and decided, nah, I'm just going to just going to let, let the, let the universe dictate pace here. And they're oh, just a great tackle coming up from behind. Well, what Mark, what Mark Bagway is, is six, five and quick. He's not just fast because his legs are longer than everybody else. He's also got quick twitch movement so he can get around. And that quick release when he's hopping around to reset and throw an accurate pass is a skill that in the A7 separates your your quarterbacks from your, your average guys, especially guys like me where I have to have like better conditions. When he's able to hop around, hop around, reset, throw a dart to the end zone, that's why the night crawlers tied it up right there. You see, he, the ball's not even a good position to throw, hops around off of a bad platform, still is able to flick it out there. But, hey, Nani – you're a good cover corner. You got to cover him a little bit better than that. And just looking at looking at this offensive line, unlike three, uh, if that if he has a third person on that line who who stays home on that play. Well, I don't want to make it worse because that's what you're saying, Matt. I don't want to make it worse for anybody in the league. But if Mark Bagway spent the time and watched what Sterry Codring took. Tim does with his BIC offense. That would be a very bad situation for the rest of the league. Look at that. Uh, he just, throws it too perfect. Oh, uh, he bounced it. Oh, uh, you gotta you gotta run like all and Asbury Park. Let's just stop Park. right there. Let's just stop right there. That's that's a that's two points that if we tack on to the end, let's see if that matters. I don't know if it will. I didn't watch this game before. Pac Money gets the start because they made a mistake on the throw off. Again, another mental mistake that Nightcrawlers can just easily fix. Uh, and oh. just finding nothing oh. but room. And and people ask, why do you cut off a portion of the field? Because if we gave them from sideline to sideline in this league, you would never see the offense or defense go on the field in some games. Because if you gave a Savion Cunningham, a Pac Money, a Kason Campbell or Sterry Codrington, the whole field on a three-on-one, you're done. You're done. And then you see just this cut to the outside. That might have been the best and, gain and so far. Our and- boy, our boy, Pac Money, who got the ball as a running back right there, 
this was a game where they called on him over and over again. Another run by Pack Money. Not only were what well, you're talking about, Matt, but if it was that that whole field, then Pack Money would have been running around even more. Great sack. And Corey, this defense was talking and chirpy all day. Like that was the fun part of this game was that the energy between both of these teams felt like a playoff game. It felt like a big meeting. And I want to see more matchups like this in the regular season. If I had my way, I would love to see the Nightcrawlers and the Rare Breed play each other in the regular season. Because we know that this game would matter. What do you think would happen in that game? That's that's the the pass we talked about with Buck on on our three on one. That looked like they were playing zone. Antmo split the zone. He puts the ball up high to his tall wide receiver, and that's that's just how quarterback play is done. There, we're we're watching them celebrate, which is great. Maybe we should have been talking over that and and letting the play run. But yeah, man, what do you think would happen if these two teams played again next year? I think whoever's the home team obviously has the advantage in terms of travel. But just seeing on the replay there, perfect positioning, just great timing from Ant Mo on the catch, finding every possible lane to make that happen and give Baltimore the lead. In neutral ground, Baltimore did have to travel a little bit, but it was a way shorter distance than Tampa had to. Um, if you have it in a little more of a neutral site, like let's say if the game happened in Ohio, I give the Nightcrawlers a fighting chance. If we're playing the game in Baltimore, I give Baltimore the home field advantage. If it's Tampa, I give it to Tampa. But the in a rematch, knowing what we know about the Nightcrawlers next year and knowing what we know about the rare breed next year, Green Ricardo Freeman just talking that talk. I feel like the Nightcrawlers are in a better position to win because with the disadvantage of knowing the game, with the travel disadvantage, with all of this, you see how close they get in this game and you see moments where they are the better team on the field than the rare breed. So it's just a matter of all of these things working out and there we just see the legs again of... Mark Bagway. And he's separating, running the ball, separating distance from a guy like Ant Mo, like it's nothing. And it's that quick. And he throw. still gets the ball off. That's as great, that's a great as you can play defensive line. And let's be let's be fair. If they didn't call that a sack because it was close, that's likely a touchdown. But look, Matt, we're looking at the clock and it's it's tick, 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 tick. Right. And and when Mark Bagway and uh, they put it back to 45. So fakes the quick screen, throws it deep. I think they score on this drive. What a that's an absolute dime. And that's exactly what you would need in that situation. You need to extend the field and you need to get them out of play. And so for everybody who's not necessarily watching, you know, to answer what what Matt was saying, if these two teams play again, what we're seeing as we watch this game on the replay is that. There is so many plays the the Nightcrawlers can easily fix to get themselves back into it. And if if they can improve their offensive line play by either adding the extra player like they eventually did, like right they right here that they do, 
or or their offensive linemen, they learn how to play this game a little bit better. They're going to be not just a tough team for the rare breed to beat, but I think the, this Nightcrawlers team is going to be a really tough team for all of the teams in the A7FL, regardless of division or location. And, and you know, it, I really think it comes down to, are we going to see Mark Bagway is about the bag and is, is not always there, you know, playing and having fun? Or is it Mark Winway who's here to prove something to this league and to every player that said anything? This is just the, the craziest, most insane play I've ever seen, honestly. That was insane. That was tremendous. And But right there, Corey, you know the rare breed are getting the ball at the half. Why give them another chance? Why give them two an extra possession here? You get well, the touchdown, to but, the touch- but they yeah, have they one have timeout. The they do have one. They have one timeout here. If you limit the well, drive, you have the opportunity to score a touchdown. You have to, especially at halftime. But with a guy in his face, he throws a timing route perfectly. That's a 30 yard throw on the dot. And his his receiver is able to stutter step and hesitation into the end zone. But to answer your question, Matt, you have to score. Because what, you know, what it what did what happened later on in this game when the nightcrawlers were kind of playing around with the clock? No, you do what the right thing is. And in my opinion, in the first half, if you're down, which they are, and you have a chance to score, you score now, and then you figure it out. And no rest for the wicked there on that again, attempt. That, Freight Train is one of those guys. He stepped up in this game and made a bunch of big-time plays because that's a guy that should not be able to catch Mark Bagway with, with Mark Bagway's lateral quick, uh, quickness. And he just did out of sheer will and let them know about it. And with time winding down here, Rob, uh, Corey, sorry. Uh, what do you think would be the lesson you would be carrying as the quarterback of this team into the locker room? Which team? If you're if, for for both, for both, you're you're tied. All right. So with twenty first, with twenty five seconds left, I, I'm not. I don't remember what uh, Buck did here. Um, but I would. I would. I would try to take a shot because I just I always feel like when when you give your guys and it's a great return so obviously you have to but when you give the guys your confidence and trust and you go aggressive whether it works or not as long as you don't turn the ball over it really is you know no harm no foul and that 3 on 1 throw off is exactly why I thought they and you know what? I didn't remember ball. that they ran a, a Baltimore special already in this game. Shame on the Nightcrawlers for falling for it later. I, When you see here Buck just finding time, finding space, throwing the ball, and that right there, he catches that, and the quarter's over, but he was so close to the end zone they could have ran another play. If Mark, if you're on the if you're calling the plays for the Nightcrawlers, you're like, Okay, I have 25 seconds, but I have the fastest quarterback in the league who has been able to make something out of nothing on almost every drive. Why am I going to give them an untimed down to get into my territory and then more than enough time to run plays with their offense with two of the fastest players in the league and the but one of the best offenses? that they were going to score otherwise, right? Yeah, this is under me. That's what I'm saying. If Bagway, do you trust? Is it trust? Is it just playing the percentages? We see a flag well, here. Bagway throws the ball with a guy 
like you know about to hit him so when the guy catches it what you're saying is is that the guy that catches it does he go out of bounds and then they try to you know no he just, i just say go down or go out of bounds and then just kind of like work the clock down cuz you're in that territory bagway conceivably with the way so let's let's put it this way right if it was if it was the nightcrawlers 18 and the rare breed 12 because the the what's important there Matt is that the nightcrawlers were not winning at that point yeah. and then we go to half you know and the nightcrawlers make it safely out of there um you know with only 40 seconds left but if the nightcrawlers were up it would be maybe a smart play at that point to you know have the clock run down a little bit more but they were down and in that moment, Mark Bagway, the quarterback, is trying to convert the play because there's a guy about to crush him. And he's throwing a timing route out, which might have been even meant to go out of bounds to stop the clock because of how low the clock was. It was still only at 40 seconds, so we're not talking about it at like three minutes. No. But I think the assumption that you're going to score is a, is, is a similar type of assumption, Matt, that hey, we're going to get the first down even if we throw the ball or we hand it off to a lineman here because the same type of of cavalier attitude towards doing the right thing, in my opinion, because if they're down, they have to tie the game if they're that close because we just saw the rare breed. You know, nothing's guaranteed even if you're at the 20 in the A7FL. You don't even get three points. I I agree. My answer, Matt, would be, you know, at that moment when he catches that timing route and he turns around and he has an ability to get in the end zone, regardless of where the clock is, you have to take the points. Yeah, no, I agree. And to, like, I'm just asking the question because you're like, we know how this game ends. And giving them any opportunity to score at this point Hey, how are you? And trying to give themselves the opportunity to win is is what I would want to do. And also, I don't find it cavalier. I find it having faith in your offense, having faith in your quarterback, having faith in what you're doing. And we see this game wind down here in the second quarter, in the third quarter. Pardon me. And OG Buck just at at every point in that game. Gave it his all. I know there was a lot of talk after this game about Buck. And we've addressed that conversation numerous times. But watch that play. That throw. Throwing it that far and having it be as almost accurate as it was. That's a testament to Buck as an athlete and as a quarterback. I wouldn't say that. Because I think Buck would would have said that he wanted to throw the ball better. Now the ball was arced enough that that Tony Totap could have adjusted to it. Yeah. But I think that that was one of those things because if you remember Tony Totap number eleven, that's that's Lenny's guy. Oh, so, oh, that's oh, just that that this run that back is disrespectful. Yikes! And it's like a yeah, thirty six yard tired. return, but yeah, we saw him cramping up too, and we noted that on the broadcast. I think we might have shitted on him. Just a little bit. Now, give him credit for the move, but that's the thing that we don't give Ashanti credit for, is that when he does uh, too many moves, he's still also getting rid of that Gatorade bar. Something Rob knows about with that Gatorade bar. You got to get that energy up. Going to need a power bar. The Nightcrawlers here doing what they do, you know, just playing street ball. Mark Bagway just running rampant all over this defense. Come on, man. Come on. And that the only play thing that there, sideline, Rob. 
But it's, it's, I'm telling you, it's the only thing that was stopping him. Bagway really has the juice. He's really that guy, and people don't know that. Well, I didn't know that until watching this game. The footwork on that play, too, from Bagway, being able to navigate through those defenders is nuts. And we see here again Mark Bagway turning on a dime and nearly completing that pass that was a pass interference play. Like A lot of times you watch a game and you see the incompletions from a quarterback and you say, oh, he missed, oh, he missed. When you watch this game, the only misses he had were the interceptions. Again, another mm. drop to the hands of his receiver. That's like the fifth. Now, uh, wide receivers aren't going to always catch it, but the fact that your quarterback is always putting it in your, a place where your receivers can is a huge, huge difference maker. Do you think if he's a more veteran quarterback, does he get the same level of scrutiny? Does he get more of a break, or does he suffer more scrutiny? Like if it was, I think everyone gets the same amount of scrutiny when we just see them, especially for the first time. Yeah, because you think about it, and and one of the things we talk about all the time, and we're going to see a lot more of the Vegas guys, and you know, on our YouTube channel this weekend, you're going to be able to see live A Seven FL action. So you know. Matt's going to drop it later. I'm terrible at it, but Matt's going to drop it later. Find it, watch it. We're going to see some real football, um, full contact, no pads. But I think one of the things we talk about with what the Vegas guys are doing is when they put their force tape out there, both against the Snow Tribe and against BIC, we could see who they were. Now, when right. we're watching this Nightcrawler's tape, you see who Mark Bagway is. No, this, no one should be able to fucking do that. Defensive players for the rare breed who we argued multiple times was one of the best units in the A7FL. On the paper, rare for breed sure. defense brought them to a Final Four, and Mark Bagway is dancing on our screen watching this right now because he embarrassed <laughs> them badly. You see, there's a one guy left unblocked. That's Beefy. He's on my fantasy team because he's a great player. The other guy, Freight Train, fantasy player on Rob's team, great player. Made them both miss, gets separation once he starts running the ball, puts his hand up in the air, number one, I'm going to score at the six. There's a guy there to tackle him. He spins past him and then falls into the end zone, gets up, and I think – doesn't even get tackled as a guy tries to grip, grab him down. And then he gets up to dance. He has so much energy after all of that, he dances. And mind you, this is the same Gatorade bar he's been using since the first quarter. On to, defense. To, yeah, to get like that. And it's just it's just very impressive from a guy like that where I didn't expect him to come out and do half of the things that he did. I wasn't expecting anything. I was just sitting there just in awe of his ability that he well, passed the eye test. Well, me and Matt saw him against the uh, – it was the QC Crush. And he was he was the real deal immediately. Look at Pac-Man go. Pac, Pac's another guy. He had has such a great game. Speed. And then at the end, he was gassed. And you were saying it. You were saying it. Oh, he's gassed. There's Wolverine with the rare carry just to punish somebody. You want to know what's funny? Yards, but whoever tackled him regrets uh, Apparently, it. Pac felt as though he should have got the ball even more than he did. Huh. To actually put that, he wants the ball. Pack is a guy that wants the ball, and that's the, the kind of guy I want on back. my team. But that doesn't mean that he's right. Right now, now See when, right there, it was a turf monster. <laughs> when we look at next year, guys, what are some of the things that we're hearing right now? Because I'm hearing a lot about what are some potential matchups. Like, what happens if these two teams played in the regular season, whether it was in Florida or Baltimore? What if Vegas 
what if New Jersey teams went to Vegas? What if Kentucky went or Ohio went to Florida or to the West Coast? What are some of the things you're hearing from players right now? Because seemingly a team from the A7FL's past might be making Uh its way back into the league. Uh Uh-oh. Well, it's about damn time. I've been calling them out. Funny um, enough, those guys are going to come back. And it, I had I had a conversation with Alcia Gross Woog, and you know we're he's from he's from a time where the quarterbacks in this league were so much better than me that it was clear that I was <laughs> I was the, the the top of the mid tier. No, think about it. We had Nemeth, RF one, uh, Woog, Ace Boogie. And uh, Jamel, uh, the the Jamel Anderson kid from uh, the Vikings. He's ass. No, you're thinking of the other dude that they still throw out there. Not no, he, uh, not ass. pretty Ricky. No, the, he's ass. All right, whatever. He was. He, 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 he got to a championship, so I'll give him credit for it. And then you had the Chiefs, who had uh, St. and Vargas as the QB tandem. There was a lot of good quarterbacks back then, and now I put up my numbers and I got my I got my commission award. You know what I'm saying for like runner up for MVP one year, but those guys were were great. And so Wook and Meep Meep, who is obviously still in this league, had a touchdown in the championship game. Matt Riddick, uh, multiple time A7 NFL MVP. And there goes my. They're defender. maybe looking to get the the Black Rhino Gerald Bell. Tyler Affa, one of the most monster defensive ends that you ever had to block. Listen, Rob. I could listen. I had no answer for Tyler Affa. He Not was that year. Unblocked. Not that was, year when it was just you. He was unblocked. And I was running an option with courage, and you know, got anybody who doesn't know what an option is, what you're doing is you're leaving one man unblocked, and you're you're reading what to do based on what that man does. So I, with courage, Mosey in the backfield said, hey, we have a good running back. Let's run the ball. So against the Immortals in the playoffs, I run option. I let the defensive end go, and I'm going to read them. But if we we drop – if if the Immortals do – There was three guys in the backfield that were unblocked, and I was wondering who was the man who thought that they were supposed to not block – Hey, it listen. Was only it was only not just any Bobby blocking for me. Everybody that's else. That's it. I'm the only one that was blocking for him. Yeah, that's it. So Everybody on an else. option, they went for courage, and by they I mean two people. Another intercept. That still means that there was one man left unblocked, and they were easily able to corral me. You know who that one man left unblocked was? Gerald Ooh. Bell, the guy who gave me this scar. Jesus. You want to see my scar? No, I'm still now. Rob Corey. We see here on the Maryland special again, or a variation of it, and the ball comes out but finds a way to get it back. If you drop the Immortals, or you drop the if you drop the Immortals back into this league with those names, with those stars, where do they fall in that unofficial? They haven't played since 2019, so yeah. let's let's be fair. I don't think they immediately come in and they're saying, "Where's my belt?" type of thing. It's 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 going to be a full four years, it feels like, right, since they played? It would be. It would be four seasons so, since they played oh, in the A7. Well, yeah, three full years, but yeah. the four years, yeah. Um, so that's a long time now, but these guys are still in shape because they play a lot of flag, and they do right, play together, right. but uh, some of them kind of have moved on. They're going to have to get an infusion of young talent. 
But more than anything, it would be interesting to see them back in because we always kind of wanted them back in. And what happened with the, the 2020 COVID situation is it just wasn't a good fit for teams from out of state because of all the quarantine stuff. So we did the best that we could in the Salas tournament. There was all four New Jersey teams. We could, you know, we made it happen. We were the first sport back. And we deserve the credit for that. But at the same time, we weren't able to incorporate the the Pennsylvania Immortals, the defending champs, because that it just the logistics weren't going to work medically. Right. Like, you know, I don't even know if that's the right ad, ad, adverb, but medically, like with medicine, with health, it's just not working. It's COVID. So it was just a weird situation to kind of have them out, you know, still wearing the belt, but not be able to return and, and fight for it. And then in 2021, they didn't come back. So basically we went with the U had the de facto 2020 belt. Right. And Here's... I've been calling for the immortal sense because they've been, they've given me some of my worst losses and I want a chance at redemption. And you already fucking snow Sangria Robbie. Now it's a Conor McGregor or a Tyson Fury. Both of those guys lost their belts. Not in the ring, not in the cage. The Immortals didn't lose their A7FL championship on the field. They're walking back into a different league right? with different talent and a different structure. I mean, I, I do I do feel as though they can still compete because these guys are still playing flag. These guys are still doing these things to keep themselves in some type of you know, football shape. And again, it's it's the things we complimented other teams for, for being able to stick together and play with the same guys for so long that make them a threat. Look at that blocking, by the way. Also, That's just phenomenal. from the back of his own end zone to not only right. get the ball out, but get it to a first down, 450, well, 25, 18. To have the discipline as a guy who can always run it, to get to the back of your drop back and then release the ball to the open man. That's really tough for guys who have the ability to run every play is to have the, the discipline to make the pass. And that just shows good quarterback play. And we see it again, just running, just it's Madden 04. Like this is the Madden 04 era of, of, of for the a seven FL with a quarterback like that. And well, it's and just what, about getting him the weapons. The champs, who are the champs this year, guys? Who's going to win the championship next year? No, in 2022, we're the defending champs. Well, it's the, the Trenton BIC. Well, the Patterson And Union. their offense looked a lot like the structure of this offense when they yeah. had a quarterback that could both be – look at him dancing. That could be both the <laughs> running threat and the passing threat. You can put your wide receivers out there and spread the field, and then it's really hard for the defense when he can do both. But when you start looking at the comps, there's no Courage Mosey. There's no Kaysan Campbell. There might be a Trey Cohen, but they're certainly not an Ashante worthy on the Nightcrawlers. And that's not me shading this Nightcrawlers offense. You know, you know, what's, cra- you know what's crazy? I think it's because Mark Bagway is so phenomenal. We don't actually get a chance. There, he's really dancing. He's shaking. He's shaking. That he's doing the HBK 96. <laughs> I'm just Listen. waiting for him to get some chaps and super kick a motherfucker. Listen, for, to be honest, I think Mark Bagway overshadows his offense so much that you don't even get a chance to look at the phenomenal athletes he might have on his offense. And look at this play. This play is 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 not uh, – I have to keep reminding people that the defense that the Nightcrawlers did this to was one of the best in, in the league. Right. And they made it look easy a lot. 
And, oh. and this is that final fateful drive where you see almost every play, they're not taking it seriously. And what did we say, Matt, when he threw the two-point conversion and bulleted it off his, his receiver's hands and they didn't get the point because they didn't catch it? You know, they're they're running the ball, fumbling it out of bounds, running it without going the, to the clock all the way down on the play clock. Look at the dancing. Look at the dancing. Timeout rare breed. Because in their mind at this point, because this is their first full season at A7FL, you can't fathom losing the game, being up 25-18 with the ball in your hands with 52 seconds left in the game. You cannot. And your brain won't even compute you losing the game. But that's well, exactly what happened. sentence structure from our friend Casey Cox will be the last time I'll ever do that. Sorry, hold on. 49 seconds left to go in this they one. They never met. Lenny Manziel, you know, that's all fine and good. But remember when Casey Cox said he was like, oh, you know, that's true, but they never played the guys out in Vegas. Well, you know what happens uh, to the Nightcrawlers while they were dancing? They never met Lenny Manziel. 49 seconds left. Let's throw it. Nope. And and I got to be honest, at this point, Mark Bagway is exhausted. Mark Bagway is doing these phenomenal little run plays since the beginning of the game. At this point, he is legitimately and they throw tired. A quick screen, they co- throw a quick screen on fourth and five when if, if they just let Mark Bagway run a, a quarterback draw, they easily get it. And he also so threw it sidearm. Left. He threw it sidearm in some sort of weird angle. It looked like he was trying to like well, it was a quick screen. It. So what yeah. you do there is you're just throw, you're just trying to throw it as quick as you can out there, and, and the, the, the arm angle doesn't matter if you just get it, you know, flick it out there quick. But the thing is, is the guys didn't, didn't execute the play because they had a trips bunch to the right and the, the two guys in front for the screen, they didn't block. And if anybody takes the play seriously on that play, that isn't a, a, a rare breed trying to win. You know, Nightcrawlers are the ones that, that play in the next round. There's Lenny Mantell. And there's the this is the nuttiest play in history. Like, you saw him run out of the – he you saw him run out to the sideline. No one spied him. No one looked at him. And he went to the fucking house and did a lucha roll into the end zone. I love what what Rob says about this play, though, because if you really look at it, Mark Bagway is a dive from getting there. Yeah. And now let's 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 play this game. Oh, here it is. The Nightcrawlers never met Lenny Manziel. Oh my goodness. And how is he that wide open? That's not like a tight end that leaked. That's a wide receiver that more than likely lined up at wide receiver. And now the and final 30, 30 seconds, guys, it wasn't even over. Remember, it wasn't took, even over. Yeah, if you notice, it, there's 30 seconds, but there's 90 seconds left. So a lot really? happens here. And this just, again, leaving that middle of the field wide open, there's the first mistake, but you have two timeouts. You take that first timeout. Here you go. Bagway with time. Too much space to run. Yeah, you got to run out of bounds here if you're Mark Bagway. Great block. You, you run out of bounds. That's execution right there because now they're down. They're down by one. And the thing is, is they can't kick a field goal in the A7FL. Nope. No kickers. No kicking, is this no where punting. They make a mistake? Is this? Yes, oh, yeah, here it is. There's that lateral and. This, uh, listen, this is very controversial, Matt. Watching it back, it definitely I goes don't. forward. It goes forward. Absolutely. It definitely goes forward. goes forward. Now that you, you thought it went, you thought it went, you you thought it went sideways, Rob. I thought it went sideways. Initially, I think I, we I all think agreed it, it went if sideways. You see it. He releases the ball at approximately like the six or or the seven, and and it gets to the five. And here so we here's see the, it again, just finding that seam. 
throw it the way he throws it. And there's the last play of the game, but I'll rewind a bit. We'll take a look at it. Here's the whole play again. Cuts through. Now, look, if he goes out of bounds there, they got eight seconds left. Or just play. goes down. He's at the, he's yeah, at the 10, and he catches it at the eight. That's clearly it. Yeah, right no, there. that's Bang, a forward pass. Releases it at the seven or eight, so yeah. that's definitely forward. Now, that would have been, if it was a legitimate play, that would have been one of the greatest plays of all time. Might have been. That would have been even better than the pack money play that just happened right before it, but hmm, shoulda, coulda, woulda. If they didn't dance and they did it and they took it seriously at any moment in the last, what, five minutes that we've been talking, they make the final four and then they play the U. And then who knows? Right, I think that the U would have beat them, but who knows? A lot of people don't think the U would have beat them because they feel as if the U's one of the U's biggest weaknesses is a mobile quarterback. I think I think Mark Bagway is one of the weaknesses for every defense in the league. I'll say <laughs> that's a weakness. What's your defense? What's your defense's weakness, guys? Well, you know when we play Mark Bagway, we don't look that good, which. <laughs> I don't know. That's fair. I, I'd say most of the defenses have that same allergy to Sterry Codrington. They're, they're allergic to Sterry Codrington. Now, maybe not the Renegades, but that was just the one the one uh, matchup. And uh, the Renegades had a different quarterback at that time. So we'll see if they play this again this year, what happens. Which may be a good segue, guys. You know, Matt, you were talking about this matchup. And if we see this again and what would happen, what are some of the games – or, or potential dream matchups that you guys would be interested after just watching that game with the audience? Well, I think we uh, can... Oh, go, go, ahead, ahead, go ahead, I think BIC versus the Nightcrawlers is definitely one I want to De- watch. Definitely one of mine as well. I want to see the Rahway Snow Tribe play against the Vegas Force, but more interesting, I would like to see them play the Vegas Pit Bosses. Because one of the most vocal outside of Coach Mack has been Anthony Bartley. And his pit bosses were impressive on Sunday. And I think we're going we're gonna to definitely see a lot more of them, especially this Sunday when they play in their first full game of the fall season. But when you see those kinds of matchups... That's something I want to see. I want to see the Covington Heist play against Florida. Well, we saw that, actually. I want to see the Covington Heist play L.A. I think those two divisions are more comparable than L.A. and Vegas or L.A. and New Jersey or Maryland. There are two divisions finding their way. There's two teams that are definitively up in the air, but there are singular players in those divisions that you want to watch. And seeing Seth Chambers play against the Vibe or against any of the teams in L.A. next year would be a really interesting and fun game for me. And that would be a a potentially really interesting matchup of styles, too. What we've seen from the West is is they do have a little bit of a different style than some of the Eastern teams. And what we saw from Ohio is, is their style is really, really close to the early days of Town Beef, where it's a lot of smash mouth, you know, type of Woody Hayes football um and you know we're getting more of the teams out there in in the in the midwest because ohio's expanding to not only be the cincinnati division which we got used to but also some of the columbus teams that are coming in and 
you know, their brand of football would be a pretty interesting match, Matt, with, you know, what we might expect to see from, you know, the LA Aces and the California division. I'm really interested, guys, because, you know, bringing back up the Jamboree, which if, you know, listeners aren't familiar or weren't able to get, uh, you know, access to it, uh, Vegas opened up with kind of a preseason to their their fall that we're bringing to you again live on YouTube this weekend. Uh, Matt will inform you better than I. But the Jamboree was an opportunity for these teams to get some reps, live reps, with referees, with scoreboards, with stakes, 1000 bucks, And it was a, a two-drive offense and defense matchup and a round-robin where all the teams got a chance to play. And we saw a lot of great football, guys. I, I think I yes, was really did. impressed with the way that these teams, especially some of the new ones, guys, Shout out to the gold. They were able to to, uh, pick up, uh, you know, the gold were able to pick up like one or two guys from the uh, best logo in the biz in the Las Vegas Hunters. And they were able to figure it out. And that's a new team. They're only like, they're only, they only have room to grow. And then we saw an interesting rookie that we've mentioned already, guys, Savion Cunningham, who let's not, Let's not put him in the same, you know, category as Pac Money and Shanti Worthy just yet. But what we saw is maybe we could, maybe with a comparable situation is we put him, you know, maybe with like Jason Sizon that that the fans might be more familiar with. That's still a bit. That's big. That's big. This is a huge that's huge that's what that's what we can prove right now from what he, what we've seen. He's got speed. That's he's not got, something he's got that you can hide. Speed, he's got speed. We can just give him that. Outside of that, I can't really give him much else but the speed. speed well, I didn't really. see. All right, I so didn't let's see just... him on the offensive side. But but again, getting back to my point because I'm I'm you know show killer Corey Hammond on a Tuesday. Um, I think the matchups that I think are going to be really interesting are the internal beefs that we may or may not be relatively responsible for. In the Vegas division, because there was one of those matchups, guys, and I don't want to spill too, too much tea. And the three on uh, the other side of the ball, excuse me, is going to do uh, their their chance, at, you know, at going a little bit deeper dive into what happened. But when the pit bosses were taking on that gold hunters amalgamation, there was a meeting of, uh, you know, the mouths, let's say, because two guys. That have been Between two of Rob hard. Fabian's favorite people, he is the president of both their fan clubs. Trey Robinson, Trey Robinson and Rashad Davis were having uh, a, a tussle. <laughs> and and uh, sorry for the pause moment. Um, but, you know, so far they've only been talking on the on the three on one and other side of the ball. Uh, podcasts and they were able to actually prove something on the field and round one kind of went to the pit bosses but what happened in that game is is after the Rashad Davis and his Hunter Golds kind of you know poked the wrong bear they instigated a, a ceasefire where the pit bosses who were dominating all day lost an offensive opportunity to get that extra score that would have won them the day. And I talked to coach Bartley and I had a a real quick uh, Facebook conversation with Trey Robinson. 
and they're ready to get some revenge against the Las Vegas Hunters and Rashad Davis specifically. They're circling that day, so I am too. We'll see when that. Uh, I'm going to look at when that is in the schedule. But Rob, what are some of the matchups outside of interdivisional matchups that you want to see next season? I would love to see the Vegas Force versus the Renegades. Mm-hmm. I would love to see the Covington Heist versus Snow Tribe, the rematch. Of course, that, that that's a great one. Um, I would love to see the New Look Gators and what they can bring. Also versus the Nightcrawlers. Um, honestly, the ghosts, guys. The ghosts, the ghosts. I was actually going to get there. I, I would like to see the top four teams versus the Nightcrawlers, and I would like to see the two, three teams under that. Like, I would love to see the Vegas Force versus the Ghost. I would love to see the Pit Bosses versus the Ghost. I would love to see um, who who in New Jersey. I would love to see Snow Tribe against the Ghost. I would love to see not BIC necessarily because I feel like I know the outcome, but I would love to see. Um, the U versus the Go. I would love to see the U versus these teams with the youth and the speed that the Nightcrawlers are bringing or the Ghosts are bringing. I wouldn't really want to see the U versus anybody from Vegas. I, I think that's a slaughter, honestly. But besides besides that, it's Nightcrawlers and Ghosts. I would love to see them between them guys. I would like to see that a lot. Um, here's the final question before we talk about this week's uh, schedule for the YouTube channel. Do you guys think... If you're any other team right now in the A7FL, are you wishing you had Savion Cunningham on your team more than you would anybody in Vegas because of what he was able to do in back-to-back returns on Sunday? Or is this way too early to make a decision? Nah, <laughs> what he showed on a three-on-one is his open field uh, escapability. His, mm-hmm. his ability to make a guy miss when he has the open field and the space to move. The offensive side of the ball in the A7 is not always like that, though. And when over the top went on offense, it, it the same Savion Cunningham that was elite in the three-on-one against the pit bosses specifically, because let's be honest, he didn't, he didn't return every single one for a touchdown. He just had those two back-to-back, which is why it stands out. And it's the longest return or football play in the history of American football, Canadians. <laughs> but when I saw Savion Cunningham, I, I may not have seen his full potential because I think over the top, and Derek Duncan said it over there, and this is a this is maybe a question mark for that team, um, that their quarterback somehow was not able to you know, be available for whatever reason. And that's puzzling. But if, if he starts to, to show some of that offensive ability, some of the route running or the, the ability to find running lanes and, and get yards when there's more guys on the field than just the three and there's less space, you know, that's when we would, you know, try to take him over guys like that. I saw on the pit balls specifically in Trey Robinson, who looked really calm back there as a quarterback, he was able to, prove that he could throw the ball accurately when guys were open and when guys backed up to cover the pass he was able to run rampant as a record-setting high school running back from uh pennsylvania a former pennsylvania a7fl player and an nfl former player and i think he's probably at the top of the list and one of the guys he threw to was one of the mvps last year that plays for the force in the spring 
But in the fall, I think he's going to be playing a lot for the pit bosses and making some big plays in Pac-Man Jones, Curtis Jones. He switched teams? He didn't switch teams fully. And Sangria Bob, we did have a real quick conversation about this, so we're going to laugh later. Yeah, definitely. But Curtis Jones made his appearance for the pit bosses. Yeah, yeah, we talked about dangerous because, like we said, Rob, because we already are just – we're just bringing this back. It's like a comedian with a callback. Call back to when we said that, Rob. What happens in the fall when guys start to play on other teams and they, they start to like the teams they that they're on? They get real friendly, I'm telling you. It's dangerous. I mean, Curtis Jones was on our podcast saying how great Trey Robinson was because they were going to the USFL or the XFL tryout together. I think it was both, just at different weekends. And he was saying, yo, shout-outs to that guy. So now he's his quarterback. Does he like that? Yo, Rob just flashed in the camera with that smile. Look at him. This is not airing I, on the audio. We're not know, doing a video I show. I muted that, that laugh, but I couldn't control myself. Um, <laughs> we are having um, a lovely evening. Just, just be hey, aware Rob of that. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. I'm great, fellas. I'm great. Action. Rob asked if it was morning privately. <laughs> Action begins this Sunday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. It'll be the Kryptonite taking on Over the Top, and we have two more games for you that day. We'll have all this and more for you on Sunday on the A7FL YouTube channel. But if you've listened for a while, you already know. Like, comment, and subscribe. Please rate, review, and subscribe this show wherever you are listening it to listening to it too if you're listening to us on apple podcast please 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 review the podcast let us know what you think give us those five stars and have more people able to listen to us we keep getting new listeners every month so we're very thankful for everybody who gives this show a chance especially all of the players who find it talk about it and then blow me up on facebook asking me to say things that i can't say but you can also get our merch, tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch. That's tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch to get, whether it's Thick Boy Season, I Tried, or the Hus Hus t-shirt. You can pick those up for the holiday season, buy them for the podcaster you love right now at tinyurl.com slash a7fl merch. Coming up, we've got combines in Columbus. We've got combines throughout the New England area and L.A. this Saturday. For more information on that, go to a7fl.com. That's a7fl.com. We have updated stories about that. And also, March is coming. 2023 A7FL season is kicking off soon, and we want you to be a part of it. Get caught up at the YouTube channel. But... We'll wrap it up here for Corey Hammond and Big Rob Fabian. I'm Matt Ryan, and as always, don't be an asshole. I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. I'll try. Uh!